welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Okay, well guys, I just wanted to take a minute before we jump right into the word today. I want to just kind of give you guys a little heads up on where we are. Um, We've had some really great meetings. It, th- there's a few things. This, this is all related to the bride. We are the bride of Christ. This the Grace Capital Church is just one church out of many churches that makes up the bride. That's why I loved really going out and filming all the different churches that we saw. And honestly, there were more churches than I could ever film. <laughs> you know, I would have been on the road for an entire month just going through these three towns filming church after church after church. And there were a lot of churches that I didn't even put in that little intro there. But God is doing a great work in and through the people here. And I'm very, very blessed to see how God is bringing in strategic people into the mix here in this campus. Because this campus, Manchester, is a strategic location for the the vision and mission of Grace Capital Church. This is a a must develop campus. And what I mean that, yes, a lot of our effort goes into building something. But what God is doing, we want to partner with what God is doing, not someone's vision or some man's mission. Amen? Yeah. God is doing a great thing, and he's bringing people in and around this community um, and so I'm so blessed with the council members that we have. I'm so blessed with the elders that we have and the people that are part of this ministry that were here from the very beginning that are continually pouring into this campus, the things that you guys are doing. And so I wanted just to kind of give you a heads up on a little bit more of the planning that we've been making here with regards to getting a building. Um, be just be, I can't give much detail, but please be in this place of prayer and and allow the Lord just to begin to to work in your heart towards change. Okay, change is one of those things that everybody's like, I think change here, everybody's like, yes, let's change. I mean, I'm feeling that from a lot of conversations that I've had with people as it is time to move on and change and bring in the new. And um, you guys, I appreciate, I love setting up chairs. I'm not going to lie to you. I love setting up chairs. There's something therapeutic about setting up chairs. <laughs> but I will be honest, it is time we, we need to move forward because God wants to plant. And where you have a physical location, others around you say, oh, these guys are here for good. And we want to make sure that the community knows we are here for good. And I had an amazing conversation with the chief of police last week. And it was a blessing because, honestly, God's favor was there. I don't know if you've ever met, had the opportunity to meet Chief Mara or Chief Willard, but uh, Assistant Chief Willard, he was, they were both looking at me and staring me in the eyes in re- deep retina scans. They were like trying to figure out who is this guy and why does he want to meet with us. And um, you know, we know that we have raised money to give to the city. We, we, have, we have a gift that we want to give. But the Lord said, don't share anything about the money. Start a relationship with these people. And so I did, and, and, and in the process of this conversation, it was really, it was fun. Um, we, we exchanged a little bit, we, we talked a little bit, and, and what was great was they, he asked more questions about what is Grace Capital Church? What, what is Foursquare? Tell me about that. 
So we had a great opportunity to share and talk. It was not a long meeting, but in the end, he, he said, I want you to come to this, this, this other meeting and, and another meeting. And, and the, in, in this process, he's just opening doors that honestly, you just can't force your way in. And that's where the, I know that God's favor is upon us in that he is, he is using us as a body to minister to those who are ministering. And that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want to be in a place where we could be the most effective. And in through that, God is going to bring in people that God is calling to this congregation to be used in this capacity. And we're going to be, as a church, raising this body up to be mature, spirit-filled, amazing believers. I mean, that's, that's our job as pastors is to raise up bodies that love God and are unbelievable Christians. <laughs> uh, my job is to love on you guys. But in the process, as we love on one another and we build this community, God is going to do a great work. And so that's what I'm excited about. So thank you for everybody that puts in a hand, that builds sets up, tears down, is a part of the community, life groups and everything else. One thing I did want to share with you is, is um, we're working out the details with our youth, uh, but they have come and said that they want to serve the body. And the um, idea about starting our 10 o'clock services was so that we would have more time on the back end to have community development where we, we sit together and eat together. I mean, guys, I like to eat. And, and what I like even better than eating is eating with people, with friends. And you can give me pork and beans, and I'd be the happiest camper if I get to eat it next to you. So uh, we are going to be doing that over in the, in the uh, little cafe area that's out here on May 31st, which is our kickoff picnic. And we're going to continue to do this kickoff picnic idea for the next few months until we're so huge that we just can't do it anymore or we need to do something different like huge block parties. You know, I'm just thinking. But um, actually, block parties are a phenomenal way to reach out to your community. Amen? All right. So we're, we're going to be getting into the Word now. And I want you to understand something that this, I thought, this message was going to come across really harsh, but I actually... As I'm digging in this morning in worship, and, and guys, can we give our worship team a round of applause for leading us in worship? I appreciate you guys for the love and the sensitivity and the spirit that you bring to us together. I love it. We're just going to continue to um, worship God together. Um, actually, I'm going to ask that we worship God with that last song at the very end, okay? I'm going to keep this short and sweet, this message. There's a lot of content here, but I got I to gotta do this because, Mom, it's your, it's your day. <laughs> we want you guys to get out and have lunch and enjoy your kids or, or, you know, just have time by yourself. My wife was like, yeah, Mother's Day, is, you guys, you boys, go somewhere else. And I just want peace and quiet. <laughs> Amen. That's what I hear you. I hear you. So don't judge the book by its cover. We've heard that, right? We know it's true. Don't judge the book by its cover. Although, you can make some fair assessments when you look at something on the external. 
But that's not true. That you can't, well, it is true, you can't judge the book by its cover. Um, I want to share with you a story. My brothers and I were in a band, and we, we used to play different venues, and and there was one band that we really looked up to. In fact, this band actually had a, a, uh, a soundtrack on one of our favorite PS1 games. Man, we're going way back now. PlayStation, the original. We, <laughs> yeah, Cool Borders. You guys remember Cool Borders? No, man, I'm old. So, um... This, this band had a track with that video game, and, and we, we went to the show, and it was an incredible show. We're like, whoa, these guys are incredible. This is a Christian band, too. And when we, after the show, we had the opportunity to meet the lead singer. My brother, who was, uh, one of my brothers who was the lead singer in our band, I mean, just idolized this group, idolized this, this lead singer, went right up to the lead singer, and... Um, he comes back to me afterwards with just this look of tremendous disappointment. It was, it was so sad. He was totally kind of devastated when the lead singer blew him off and pretty much just shoved him out of his way. Now, given grace, it could have been a terrible day. It could have been a bad set. He could have all, all the kinds of things went wrong with his gear or equipment. We didn't know that. It was incredible. It was a great show. But what I found interesting was that in a moment, you could go from being worshipped to being, to being um, vulnerable, and, and you really see in one split second, in five minutes of coming off the stage, you see the vulnerability and, and, and the imperfections of the character of the individual. Do you know what I'm saying? We judge the book by the cover, Christian band, so powerful music and so successful. And then the personal experience just revealed a lot of junk. And like I said, we give you grace, you know, if, if you have a bad day, we understand that. But it does speak to something deep. There's some inner, there's a depth to that within the character of the individual to respond in such a way. So it did reveal quite a bit. I know that he looked good on the outside, but I wonder what happened in his life where that zeal and that passion for what he was doing, and you had to have passion and zeal, you had to be talented and also humble to get to the level that he was as a musician. But where did that connection, that inner connection break off that caused that fade? and that distance, and that deterioration, and, and that, um, that ugliness to be birthed. You see, as believers, we could apply this to our own lives. Uh, we call ourselves followers of Christ, and we do these external things, like taking care of the poor, uh, we, we help the homeless, we, we uh, give... There's, there, we do uh, like benevolence for people that are going through s struggles. We help out with the pregnancy center. We're, we're, we feed the poor on weekends. We're, we're doing all these good things. We're serving in church. Um, we're being kind and gentle. We're nice on the highway. At least I try to be. 
We share the gospel with others and we lead people to Christ, but are we actually still connected to the reason why we do these things? Are we connected to him? The one that inspired us to do all this in the first place. It's kind of like this. A couple, you go to these dinner parties. I don't know if you've ever gone to a dinner party and you see this like perfect couple and they come in and they're like all over each other, so sweet to each other, you know. And, and we, we, we see how like externally they, they, they just get along so well and they're amazing. And then they get home and it's all chaos their kids are, are, are just, they're neglecting their children. They're, they're neglecting their own relationship. And they go off like they're two separate people. They look great on the outside, holding hands, but on the inside, they're dead. They've lost that connection. So, you know, we do this as Christians too. We go through the motions sometimes. We go through church, we come to church and we go to life group and we do all these things. We even set up and break down, but we go through the motions without interconnection. We, you know, do we do these things because this is what good Christians do? Or do we do these things because we have this active and alive relationship with Jesus? Or are we alive? Are we dead inside? Are we, are we dead inside or are we alive inside? You know, you have to ask yourself that question. I think no matter how old you are in the, in the kingdom, you have to ask yourself that question. Are you alive with God? Alive in Christ? I've, I felt myself in that place too where I, I go through those motions and, and I'm, I'm a good doer but I do because I see my responsibility, my obligation, and my loyalty to people. There's nothing wrong with loyalty or even the sense of obligation. Nothing wrong with that at all. But I will say, obligation has had a negative, uh, a negative feeling towards it. But we do these things, we should be doing these things because we have that relationship with Jesus. Talked about before in the past about the vine and the branches, and it's really easy to get disconnected from the vine. And when we do, we do end up shriveling and we die. It's a slow thing. It's not an instant thing. It's a slow thing. You begin to see it in someone's character. You begin to see it in their doing even. Over time, they're doing, it's like faking it, and it, 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 they fake it really well and to a certain point, but then that relationship that died within the inside actually begins to reveal itself in the doing and begins to become crusty and dead. And it's kind of like dry bark. Have you ever walked up to a tree that looks awesome and then you put your hand on it and you slip <laughs> because the bark just gave way and you just go flying into the ground? That's the kind of like dryness and depth that happened to me. I'm joking. <laughs> it's like, hey there, whoa, you know. <laughs> Young people, when you go to church, you grew up in church, do you do those things that your parents have asked you to do or, or you feel like you're, you want to do because you have learned how to do it from watching your parents or do, are you really alive with God within your heart? You have to ask yourself that question. Are you alive? See, David was chosen to be king 
not because he was the best-looking guy. He was short, ruddy, but Samuel, the word, over, the word that Samuel brought to David was that he was a man after his own heart, after God's own heart. God cares about the internal, cares about the heart. And he was chosen. Now, Saul, on the other hand, he was, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Good looking, a, a powerful speaker, and, and he just knew how to do it. But because of his character flaws, because he lost the connection, it didn't start that way. He had a reverence for God. We know the story. If you don't know the story, jump into First and Second Samuel. It's, it, it's an amazing process that you see in an individual's life where someone who started out well, lost that connection, and then was ousted because he no longer, he was dead inside. So in Revelation 3, we actually are going to be going into the, um, the, the letter to the church of Sardis. And Sardis is one of the oldest cities uh, in this region. It's about 35 miles uh, southeast of Thyatira that, w- that Mark spoke about last week. And this, this city was actually very well built. It was built 500 BC, and militarily, they were strong. They had a phenomenal structure. Uh, they were tucked away up in the mountains, about 1,500 feet above sea level. And what was beautiful about it was that be, they were so well protected. This, this uh, city was only taken over probably about four times in all of history. And interestingly enough, the only way that it was taken over was by a, um, a soldier who was a Sardinian uh, a Sardian soldier that left his helmet behind. He went back to get his helmet after a battle. And um, they have all these little intricate, like, weaving inlets into the city. Well, some very um, sneaky, uh, I think it was the... Um, I want to say the Syrians, the, they actually followed him up this little trail quietly and far back and discovered the way into the city and took over the city through the back door. And so it's just kind of interesting. So they, as a city, they were very well protected. Another thing that, about this city that I really thought was interesting was they have all these burial mounds. They were like this natural necropolis where you just have these huge mounds. And as far as the eye could see, thousands of these little hills where they had burial places. Um, that they just, it, it was a beautiful sight when you looked out. And another thing, because of its location and because of its history, they were at the citadel for uh, worshiping different gods. And one of them was Sibeli. Uh, and this patron deity had the power, believed, of resurrecting the dead and giving life. Interesting. Resurrection of the dead and giving life. So this is the, the patron god of the, the Sardinian people. Sardi, uh, Sardian, that is, Sardian people. Another interesting thing about this region is, is that they were also known for their, their wealth. Very wealthy 
group of people. They had all kinds of different opals and different semi-precious gems that they created. You know, they were all about their their uh, jewelry making. And that's how they got popular. It's how they got wealthy. So it was one of the wealthiest cities of that time in the Lydian Empire and also in the Roman Empire. So in Revelation 3.1, we're going to begin here. It's going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it as well. You can follow along. Revelation 1 through 6. That's chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, The word of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. He's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you will not wake up, I will, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet, you still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white. For they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father. And before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When you hear that last sentence, you have to wake up. (laughs) You have to spark something. You have to listen to what is being said. Guys, this church had an amazing reputation. Interestingly enough, um, they were dead. Dead on the inside, meaning that there were probably a lot of people in this church that were not even believers doing good things. Unsaved people. People that were doing good things but not believing in Jesus Christ because he's he's addressing this church with regards to keeping what they have heard. The gospel of Jesus Christ. There were many tares among the wheat. If you read Matthew 13, 24 through 30 later on, Write that verse down, Matthew 13, 24 through 30. They, they probably started off strong as a church, but then they became very popular or they became, it, it just grew. And all of a sudden, the, the good doing began to dissipate in that they were doing good things, but then Jesus comes in and says, I don't see your works complete. What does that mean? We don't want to just have an appearance of doing good. We as a church want to be a church full of the Holy Spirit with people full of the Holy Spirit that when they are motivated by the Holy Spirit to do good works, those are complete. Those works are the works that are complete in Him because they are motivated by Him and through Him. Remember that you can't get to heaven based on works. We know that. But then you read this whole other chapter in Matthew 25 that talks about the weeding out of the goats and the sheep. Jesus says, I'm going to weed you guys out in the end, on the day of judgment. And those that took care of the poor, those that took care of the widows, those that took care of those in need that gave a drink to those who needed a drink, 
you did it unto me, and therefore you emulated me, you knew my heart, and to the rest. Because remember, what he was saying to this church was this church was dead, but it wasn't fully dead. The church was not fully dead. There were good things taking place, but at the same time, it, the, the, inner per, the inner part of the church, the inner man of the church was dying. And soon enough, they were going to become like goats. Those that turned a blind eye, the Pharisees that Jesus talked about, he was talking directly to them in Matthew 25. He was saying, you guys, you, you, you ignore those in need. You don't have my heart. So that's why the interconnection is so important as believers, that we don't just go through the motions, but that we're pressing in to Jesus. Can you go to church and be spiritually dead? Yeah, you can. Can you build a church with bright lights, loud music? Yes, because it's cool. (laughs) You could do all that stuff. I like lights and loud music, but I would rather be a part of a home group that's alive than a church that's dead. Amen? And that's the blessing that we have here. We don't have that here, but we need to be always on the lookout, always looking at our hearts and desiring to be connected to the Spirit of God. We can't exist on our past experiences. We talk a lot about testimony and how coming to Christ and bringing others to Jesus is through our, the word of our mouth, the testimony, the, the things that God does through, in and through us. But we can't live there three years ago when we first said yes to Jesus. We need to be moving forward, pressing into Jesus, because every day he wants to bring us into a new relationship, a new avenue And so part of me says, Lord, I need to be not like the hypocrite. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. It's like, wow. This was, he was talking to the religious at this point. Matthew 23, 27. We can look good on the outside and be dead on the inside. You know, Matthew 7.23, I said this a little while ago, and it, it, it really hit me. It says, God, we did this all in your name. And then he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. That connection is so important. Well, how did we get there? How did we get to a place? Let's just say if you're, if you're feeling convicted that maybe I don't have that closeness and that relationship, we are going to take a, some time today to respond to this word. Like I said, it's not going to take much time. We're, we, we have to look at how we got there. Well, again, living on past experiences, looking at our past testimony and saying, that was awesome. 14, 15 years ago, and just leaving it at that. Say, oh, I'm good. I don't need to press in any longer. I'm saved. I'm secure. You are saved, and your salvation is secure, but we must, if we are saved, be full of the Spirit of God and good works. 
because his spirit produces good works. If we're connected to him, he's going to produce it in us. If we don't do it, then we're acting as disobedient children. <laughs> Guys, it does it, Listen, I'm talking to myself 10 times more than any of you. Because honestly, this is a place, I've grown up in the church, but I need to be able to remember this. I cannot rely on the past for my future. Jesus is requiring us to take risks. Jesus is requiring us to be obedient. Jesus is requiring us to be listening. Jesus wants us to like go after him. Like There's nothing more important because if that's truly the case, then... If we don't follow after him, then what is the value of the salvation that we received? We need to be actively pursuing him. We don't fall asleep and just say, I'm good, I'm all set. I, I was saved and, and, and I can leave it there. We need to pursue him. I, I keep going back to Matthew 25 and I love how he says, listen, he just gave us this entire section of scripture if you go through Matthew 25 when you get home and if you were journaling you were there this week but he says to those that did all these things you did them unto me you're my sheep I want to maintain my place as a sheep in the kingdom of God not because I want that place but because I have the connection with him he says to wake up, pay attention to this condition of your heart. We have to ask ourselves, where have we become numb in our relationship with Jesus? And where are we going through the motions? This church is part of the bridegroom of Christ. And the bridegroom is asking for us to come back into relationship with him in this betrothal time. Not just doing things for him or looking good, because honestly, he, he doesn't care about the things that you do for him. He cares about the relationship you have with him. And I just remember that better is one day in his court than a thousand elsewhere. That's the most important, as far as I'm concerned, it's such, a, it's such a powerful verse. Now, if you look at the scriptures, he's talking to the, Sard, um, to the church of Sardis, and he says, there are a few among you that still have a good name, that haven't been soiled, their, their garments haven't been soiled, they're still walking in white. Those are the ones who conquer. Those are the ones that overcome the things of uh, complacency. See, complacency in our Christian walk is probably the more um, useful tool the enemy has towards Christians is when we get complacent. Sin happens because of complacency. And... We need to be on the offensive towards complacency. We need to be pressing in and pursuing him and asking ourselves, where, where do I need to step up? Not in the doing, but in the, in the relationship aspect, like being in the word of God and letting the word of God really search you. 
letting the word of God reveal who, who you are in him and him in you. I want to be like one of those overcomers. I want to be accessible to God. I want to have that open relationship with him. We need to be walking into victory day by day with the Holy Spirit as he leads and guides us. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling of which you've been called, with all humility, gentleness, and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love that verse. The bond of peace, unity, that eagerness, that driving forward in him. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you came here because you were wanted to be connected to a church and you wanted to do all the right things because somehow in your life you felt like you didn't have that connection with the one who we all call Lord and King and Savior. If you feel like you don't have the connection, I want to make this an opportunity, this place an opportunity for you to receive. John, I want you to come up and I want you to lead us in worship here together. I want us to be in a place where our hearts can receive from the Lord today a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look and, and guys, where have you gone complacent? Where have you gone complacent in your walk with the Lord? Just begin to ask yourself that question. Ask the Lord that question. Because it does happen subtly, but at the same time, I look at the way that Jesus speaks to this church and he says, listen, I don't want to be a part of a church that is being judged by God. Because judgment comes to the body first before the rest of the world. Judgment starts here. And if that's a hard message for people to understand who are thinking about Jesus, well, listen, I, I am on the side of the one who says, I'm refining you. That's why judgment comes. I'm refining my people. We have this bad mentality of like judgment being a negative thing. It is a negative thing if we, re, if we reject it. If we reject the... the, the um, if we reject the, the part of discipline that he has for us, because his discipline brings that, that culturing, that sharpening, the, the get, re, removing the wheat, the, the, the chaff from the wheat. Do you know what I'm saying? All the unnecessary stuff. And we have to open up our hearts to the one who says, listen, I want you to conquer with me. I want you to go from glory to glory. That's so important. I, I think that we have had a church that, or, or uh, uh, we've been in a culture where grace is, is oftentimes abused. That we've heard, we've heard the saying that it, it is by his grace that we are saved, and it's true. It is also true that by hearing the word, our hearts respond. By hearing God's word, he brings conviction. And so when I say that this was a kind of a, a difficult message to bring, it's difficult only because 
it isn't like some of the happier woohoo messages that we've preached in the past. But it is in the sense that you can re- if you receive this and you take this to heart and you don't allow it just to go by the wayside, but you, you truly take God and you say to him this afternoon, this very minute right here with us, Father, where have I strayed from you? Father, where have I, where have I become ugly? Where have I lost that connection with you? Jesus, I want an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a a fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to know you in a deeper way. Jesus, there is no perfect believer. There is no perfect perfect couple (laughs) Lord all of the good things that we do we count them all as nothing because knowing you is better than all the good things but God we as a a church as, as individuals we want to come before you and say Jesus I am all in to you today I am not going to allow myself to be complacent I'm not going to allow myself to go another day without wrestling with you here today. There are people that must be saved, and that is where the relationship buds. That's where the the blossoming begins to take place in the hearts, is when all of a sudden you have compassion for your neighbor. Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us if we don't have compassion for our neighbor. Forgive us if we don't even have compassion for the people sitting next to us right now. Lord, this is your family. This is your people. This is your church. And I am blessed to serve with this church. I am blessed to serve with this body. Forgive us, Lord God, if we're going through the motions any part of our life or we're running ragged because we think that that's how we please you. Forgive us for allowing our works to to describe our Christianity. God, we want to be known by you. We want to have a relationship with you, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know him now. I want you to know the one who has saved me from myself, who has saved me from my imperfections. Who has saved me from doubt and disbelief. Hallelujah. Open your heart to him today. Receive him now as we're sitting here. Receive him into your spirit that your spirit would be made alive in him. Colossians 2.13 God made you alive with Christ. Jesus. 
Jesus, we know that you are the one that redeemed us from all sin. You died and you were resurrected. God, that heart, that in love with relationship we desire. Lord, for those that are struggling with this concept of your love, I pray that you would pour out your love in such a new, tangible way. As you promised, you are taking us from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus. And the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You all have ears. Hear the word of the Lord to you today. You are more than overcomers. More than conquerors. Thank you, Jesus. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.